What's up, Claim of Stories family? For the next couple of episodes, we've partnered with our friends at Feast Portland to share stories about creatives and entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. The Claim of Stories Feast Portland edition comes to you from Portland, a city that's rooted in an expressive, creative, and unfiltered spirit. It's America's culinary epicenter, filled with food carts, award-winning restaurants, and easy access to the outdoors. Come see for yourself. Plan your visit today at TravelPortland.com. Learn more about Feast Portland at FeastPortland.com. Guy Fieri, like, made it a point to, like, come stop it. It's, like, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> he said something funny. Uh, I think, like, while recording, I made it onto the final cut. He said, like, I think this is the best Mexican vegetarian torta I've ever had. And then he, like, the guy put the camera down and he goes, Maybe it's just the best torta I've ever had. I was like, okay, well, that's a lot that's less specific. <laughs> like, that feels like a really good compliment. We should have got that. But, uh, yeah, that's fun. a very specific one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, you've said that open-endedness um, has been like your secret, secret weapon, right? Um, at least for your business. Um, what do you mean by that? I guess just like we set out, we thought we were going to make tacos. We made tortas. We, you know, we never... We never anticipated having a restaurant that's now expanding. Um, and I think it's that same thing from my grandma. Just, you know, there wasn't some, like, you know, world domination plan. It was just, like, if, if the right door opens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up to that opportunity um, as best I can. This is Claim of Stories, a show about leading and emerging BIPOC creatives and how they're able to claim their dream careers. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I'm Bima, and on today's show, recorded live at Claim of Stories Feast Portland Edition, I speak with Megan Sanchez, chef and co-owner of Guero. Megan grew up admiring her grandmother, who was a hustler, moving to the States with five kids and working in restaurants. She never had a master plan, but she always walked through every door open for her, eventually becoming a landlord. Now, this isn't about Megan's grandmother, but let's just say the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. Megan moved to France after college to teach English, but soon after gravitated towards food, especially cheese. When she returned to the States, she'd work at Shelburne Farms in Vermont, where she'd become a cheesemonger. But it was when she met her business partner, Alec, that she would begin to go down a more entrepreneurial path. While selling food out of his apartment, Megan decided to turn his kitchen into a restaurant. They would go on to create a flourishing bicycle taco delivery service. With a little bit of naive confidence, Megan and Alec packed up their bags to sell tacos in Portland and eventually sold tortas. Business was booming and they transitioned from a food truck to a restaurant space, which they would eventually call Guero. When recalling how she ended up down this path, Megan shares a story about the impact of her grandmother on her life today. Her story is that she moved to the States with five kids, and um, her and my grandfather split um, early on, and she supported um, all five of them on her own. Wow. Um, working in restaurants, actually. So. Wow. That's another thing I think about every day. She was dishwashing three jobs. Um, you know, she'd stop home and she didn't have time to do her hair, so yep. she'd like switch out a wig and um, <laughs> just like go to the next job. And 
Um, she did this for, for years and she, she felt like, I think she had a probably immense amount of guilt about not being home and she wanted to put her kids through private school where mm-hmm. she felt like they'd be better education attended, yeah attended to and how do you put five kids through private school in this circumstance you know and and she figured it out um and yeah this and just for like some context this woman is like 410 (laughs) she wore like i think before the 80s during definitely and ever since she she wore this like 80s velour tracksuit like this was her uniform (laughs) just like you to have a visual (laughs) yeah she's a tiny woman and um and and yeah and like barely spoke english and she just like figured this out and she managed to um work her way into um running like a, a small duplex in the olympia area where my family settled from egypt and um she I, the stories that come from it are amazing of people being like your grandma didn't evict me when I couldn't pay rent wow. or your grandma came and um you know was the one like brought the plunger and just fixed my toilet and you know drove around in this van and her yeah. tracksuit and that was like she just like <laughs> had this little hustle about her and she just did this like all herself and I, I feel like your grandmother should have a show based after her <laughs> yeah I'm realizing that now yeah I would I would watch it yeah yeah so she's such an inspiration to me just like I don't know she, I don't think she never had a master plan. She mm-hmm. never had like, I think she just like, if there was an opportunity, she just showed up and yeah. just like. She's going to figure it out. She's like, I got family to take care of. Like, we'll yeah. make it work. She's like, if you, if you show up with like everything you got, hmm. great, you know, and yeah. then, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't part of like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, I keep that in mind all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know what they say about plans, right? Like. You make this grand <laughs> yeah. plan and everything else like starts to happen and it alters that plan. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's just like you get in the moment and you kind of got to adjust to that. Yeah. Um, thinking about like before you started, you know, your own restaurant, I know you spent some time for school in France, right? Um, after I, I graduated college, after I went to college, France. You went yeah. to France. And that's when you started to like gravitate towards food a bit. Mm-hmm. What, like, what was it about it? Um, well, the, uh man i was um i was living there i was teaching english um i was like dirt poor i just had no money at all <laughs> and so i would just go almost every day to the farmers market to just pick up like something to eat that night and so i was buying just like a couple like the the produce there was amazing the bread the cheese the everything and i was just making really simple meals but i was like this is like such a good eating i'm yeah. like i'm so I was just kind of blown away with like what I could do with like what felt like very little resources. Mm-hmm. So, um, kind of put me on a path of interest in cheese, which was just like this whole <laughs> bizarro, um, detour I took. <laughs> you just got really deep into cheese. I, yeah. I mean, the cheese is really good. I mean, if you've been, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So you're, you're there, you start mm-hmm. having this passion around cheese and, and other food. And about about ten years ago, you started a version of, of Guero, right? Like, and you're like delivering tacos tacos on a on a bicycle mm, in Vermont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how did you get to Vermont, and like, <laughs> how did that all happen? <laughs> um, and so I was I was um, living in France, had this like new interest in agriculture. Um, I set up two jobs, like 
from whatever was before Zoom, um, Skype, 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 yeah. Skype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's yeah. like, whatever was before Zoom. I had to think about it. I was yeah, like, I, yeah, I'm I think gonna, it's Skype. Um, yeah, <laughs> I set up two jobs. I had one for a summer um, farming with at this amazing place called Shelburne Farms. It's um, this like kind of very impressive like agricultural institution in Vermont. I'd never been to the East Coast before, like never stepped foot. <laughs> And so I set up um, a summer of working there, farming. I'd never done like manual labor in my life, so that was that was new. new. <laughs> <laughs> Broke me in excellently. Um, and then from there, I went to Boston to work as a cheesemonger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a major lesson in fake it till you make it. I showed up. There was 350 international and domestic cheeses. They were like, if someone asks you about it, you know about it. Oh and I was goodness. like, of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, I got, um, it kind of all came down to this one cheese for me. I was like, I've, I've tried everything. This is the best cheese. And it was a guy who was, um, in Vermont and, um, I really thought he just like made the best thing. So it became like a full-time saleswoman for this guy. It was just like, just we can talk about cheese. these cheeses. But I, like, this is what you want to know. About. Yeah, this is it. And, um, I went to visit him and he offered me a job to come out and, um, make cheese with him for a couple years. And I, and I did that and learned a lot. Wow. And so then at what point did you decide you kind of wanted to do something of your own? So while I was doing that, my um, who would eventually be my business partner, his name is Alec. Um, he was living in Vermont. We met there and he kind of had like just an interesting story of his own bubbling. Like he from I think he got a, his first job when he was like 13. He was selling apples for this guy in Austin, New York. Um, this guy taught him Spanish and like gave him this like. He just, he thought this guy could just like hustle and he thought it was so cool that he just like had these apples and he mm-hmm. would get everybody to buy them and he just wanted to be like next to this guy. Yeah. And so he, um, he went from there to, he just, he just always was selling something. He always had a side, he was a full-time student and he was always selling something like he, uh, he found a warehouse in New Jersey where there was like buyers from New York would go to buy vintage clothing. And he bought like a truckload of uh, like bell bottoms and uh, fur coats and things. And he took it to his school campus like with a boom box and laid it out on a, a blanket in front of the library and was like selling it to kids as like party clothes. And like he sold, he sold drugs. I don't know if you can say that. Um, he sold, he sold anything. <laughs> he was hustling. It was just anything. Yeah. And yeah, and he just, this was like his whole MO and I think, um, I think it was like, it wasn't so much that he was trying to make money or this or that. He just wanted to be the guy who was like, if you needed something. I got it. He, he, yeah, I'll yeah. find it. I got it. And I, yeah, he is, he's a, he's an incredibly generous person. And I think it comes kind of from a generous spirit he has that he just wanted to like be a provider of some kind. So I just <laughs> thought he was kind of wild. But, um, but uh, yeah, he was selling food out of his apartment and somehow I just got roped into this and we started selling tacos out of his kitchen. And um it took off like this wild success um, that we never could have imagined. We had um, like a fleet of friends on bicycles delivering tacos to people till four in the morning, like to drunk UVM college <laughs> students and stuff. And we would take calls as fast as we could get them and like send tacos out. We were hand pressing tortillas. Like it was nuts. And um, it gave us this really inflated sense of confidence. Like yeah. just drop us anywhere and, and we'll, and we'll just sell food and that's yeah. that's all you do um and then we got to portland and we're like yeah we'll sell, we'll sell tacos we'll sell and tacos. it turns out that was a lot harder than that so <laughs> when so when did you when did you get to portland um so 10 years ago nine and a half ten nine years, years ago yeah ago. Mm-hmm. and 
So what was the switch from tacos to tortas? Um, it's a, it's like a, it's a hard thing to do. Like one person has to be making tortillas like the entire time. Mm. And, um, we always talk about how there's just like this total difference that eating tacos in the Northwest, there's like a, you do it on a plate and so, I don't know. Let's not get into that actually, <laughs> but like we get really heady about it all the time. We're like, why is it different, uh, like regionally? And it, it's, it was, um, Tacos are great everywhere, but it seemed like this challenge we didn't know how to work on in a food truck. So um, I think one day we're like, man, this is hard. And um, we, we thought we'd do tacos on the weekends or something like mm. that. And a woman walked up and she said, I'll take four tacos. And we said, oh, I'm sorry, we only have tortas today. And she was like, OK, I'll take a torta. We're like, really? really? Oh, cool. Because that would be like way cooler for us. And she's made it seem like this non-issue. And we we're like, and people were really loving our tortas, which were kind of like never the intention to be our thing but they really took off so i mean you know i was telling you back there like we're there like every week <laughs> much appreciated <laughs> it's Thank you. it's an addiction a good one yeah. a very good one um so you made the the transition also from food truck to restaurant mm -hmm. um and you know you've been you know a restaurateur since a very young age have you have you felt like you've run into any hurdles based on your age i mean uh, there's been moments where it's we've had situations where maybe we felt taken advantage of because someone could like see our inexperience and and we were and are you know in many ways still inexperienced um, just having been like self-employed since I was 23 at this point <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that like we didn't we weren't taught like we're self-taught and like we could be doing it the wrong way no idea but um, but we've had moments of that, and, and I think there's, like, always imposter syndrome when you just, like, throw yourself in the ring somehow yeah. in, in any arena. But, you know, we're learning, growing all the time. <laughs> yeah. When we come back in just a moment, Megan's restaurant, Guerrero, ends up on Guy Fieri's radar. For this week's Community Stories feature, presented by 99 Designs by Vistaprint, let's hear from Francesca Cheney owner of Soul Sips, a plant-based restaurant based in Brooklyn, New York. With a desire to be a staple in the community while refreshing their brand identity, Francesca shares a story about starting her own juice company, adding plant-based foods, and packaged goods to her restaurant. My name is Francesca Cheney, and I am a tastemaker and restaurateur at Soul Sips. Soul Sips is a plant-based restaurant and packaging company we started in 2015 as a bottled juice company where we sold our herbal coffees and our fresh pressed juices and handmade almond milks, Brazil nut milk, walnut milk, you name it. Um, we popped up all over around Brooklyn and we started at my cousin's apothecary in Crown Heights. Over the time, people gave us good feedback and the feedback that we received encouraged us to keep going. And from there, in 2017, we got the opportunity to do more of a semi-permanent pop-up for three months. And in those three months, we also added food to our business model because the space we were popping up in had a 50 square foot kitchen that allowed us to make food. And when the three months of our pop-up was over, so many people that were in the neighborhood 
begged us to stay. And they said, we're gonna make sure that you guys stay here permanently. And that's exactly what happened because December is gonna make it four years since we first started Soul Sips in a brick and mortar form. After crowdfunding, we were able to stay permanently in the location, turn it over, and that was, that the rest is pretty much history. Soul Sips has been a staple in the community. We do sliding scale brunches. Um, we also focus on making our food relatable through the flavors and the spices. Um, it's very much your feel-good food that doesn't feel super vegan. And through the process of sustaining Soul Sips, we made it through our first year of COVID. COVID was intense because one of my favorite parts about this experience and running Soul Sips is being able to peek my head out of the kitchen and see people enjoying the food and seeing their reaction. So not being able to do that and operating as takeout and delivery with the exception of outdoor dining was very new. It was a big adjustment. However, there is a silver lining of opportunity and that's what we saw and that's what we made space for. And that's how our meal kit program came about. This meal kit program, it turned out to be such a beacon of light because people received that well. And now we're here and we are fortunate to be able to continue this new arm of the business, which um, we're now open Wednesday through Saturday as a regular restaurant. And on Mondays and Tuesdays, we reserve those days for packaging and shipping our meal kits. I am most looking forward to growing our meal kit program. I look forward to seeing it all over the US and I want to see the trucks everywhere like similar to Fresh Direct and I want to see it be a top tier plant-based food delivery service. The process of working with 99designs has been very seamless. It was something that um, allowed me to also be creative as well in expressing what I wanted our logo refresher to look like. Uh, ultimately, we chose a logo that was minimal and more mature. I wanted people to see this logo and say, okay, it's plant-based food, it's wholesome, it's quality, it's feel good. And that's what the logo we selected feels like. I'm also, very happy that I was able to include my team and my family in the process of voting. That to me was a cool addition to this process that engaged me even more because I love being able to share what I'm working on with the people that I love. I plan on using the money for growing our packaging arm of the business. What that means for me is meal kit boxes that are branded with our logos on them, the packaging when you open up the box, even the talker that comes out of the box explaining to people what they're about to eat and how it was cooked and how this program came about. Um, I'm looking forward to fully developing our, our meal kit program and our packaging line with this funding that we've recently received. That was Francesca Cheney, owner of Soul Sips, a plant-based restaurant based in Brooklyn, New York. Learn more about 99 Days of Design 
a 99 Designs by Vistaprint initiative at 99designs.com slash 99 days of design. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. Megan has created an incredible dining experience at her restaurant, Guerrero, and shares a little bit about how her time with family informs this vibe. I think, like, growing up, um, we had, like, a huge family, always always eating all that, and um, there, was, there was never a difference between, like, dinner time and it's just us mm. and, and then this is entertaining, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, this is, that's one experience. Like, the way you eat, it's always a bit of, like, putting on a show... <laughs> And it's always just, you're at home and you're with your people and whatever. So I feel like sometimes at the restaurant, it's the same approach where it's a little bit like, this isn't um, this isn't putting on a show, where, but like we want to make it fun every time. Yeah. But it's also like the experience you'd have like in our house maybe. And uh, so there's a very like personal um, quality I think it has to it that, that I, I think comes through. I think that's why people mention the feeling, the vibe, whatever yeah. it is, this sort of intangible thing it's because it's approachable totally yeah. i mean i'm not sure i've met many people literally we're sitting in the back room and everyone kept coming in saying the same thing <laughs> um you know i think one also interesting thing is like you were featured on guy fieri's show right mm -hmm. it's um uh diners drive-ins and dives uh what was that like what is it like to have like a show coming into your space and you know one day you know there's this experience and the next day it's like in all these different media outlets um uh you know it's just fun it's just it's just like a, it's an honor to have like anybody interested in what you're doing um it's definitely a trip having Guy Fieri in your <laughs> restaurant you know and it's really nice being on camera is not my uh my forte and he made me so at ease you're good at that too you know? but um it was uh I th our team was so excited about it. it was like such a buzz for like weeks on end yeah. and i mean it still is <laughs> yeah yeah it's fun it, it felt like an honor you know yeah. it's like a nice nod it's crazy like i you know i didn't realize when i moved to portland like how like so many restaurants are here and like 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 the best restaurants are here and like and like guy fieri like made it a point to like come stop here that's like really cool yeah, he, he said something funny, uh, I think, like, while recording, and it made it onto the final cut, he said, like, I think this is the best Mexican vegetarian torta I've ever had. And then it, like, he, the guy put the camera down, and he goes, maybe it's just the best torta I've ever had. I was like, okay, well, that's a lot that's less specific. <laughs> like, that feels like a really good compliment. We should have caught that, but, uh, yeah, it was That's fun. a very specific one. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you've said that, open-endedness um, has been like your secret secret weapon, right? Um, at least for your business. Um, what do you mean by that? I guess just like we set out, we thought we were going to make tacos, we made tortas, we, you know, we never, we never anticipated having a restaurant that's now expanding. Um, and I think it's that same thing from my grandma, just, you know, there wasn't some like, you know, world domination plan. It was just like, if, if the right door opens, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up to that opportunity um, as best I can, and so um, I think if I had had a plan, and I think that works differently for different people, but for, I think for for me and the team I have, I know that um, it's just been really cool to just be like this thing came knocking, and like is this something we want to do? And then that's that's been like a 
I was going to say a formula. That's, I guess the point is it's not a formula, yeah. you know, it's, but <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've stayed um, adaptable and I'm, um, part of that was again, the inexperience mm -hmm. and the like, we didn't have a business plan and maybe, you know, it probably would have been good to do those things, but um, kind of thus far has worked out for us in our favor. Yeah. Hey, everybody has their own style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we were talking a little bit and you said you had you have 45 folks that work with, with Guerrero now. That's yeah, that's including my partner. Now. Yeah, that's the size of our team. 45. Um, and like turnover has been pretty low. Like, what yeah. is it about? What kind of culture are you creating over there where you feel like folks just stick around? Like what what what's happening? <laughs> Um, I, I don't know, <laughs> but like, I'm just like, don't, don't mess that up is the best thing we have, have going for us. Um, yeah, we've had like, we've had such good luck with that. I have, I'm, I know that's the number one, um, hardship I hear from, uh, other people with restaurants. And, um, I think, you know, like people ask us a lot about, or especially when we are starting out, you know, like is this an authentic Mexican restaurant? Is this, what, what kind of restaurant is it? And I feel like every time we have a new person join our team, um, the identity of our whole relation, uh, restaurant changes mm -hmm. to include who that person is. And, um, and so like we're this big team now of people of like all ages, mm. so many backgrounds. Um, and we're so staying authentic to something that's like a moving target is, it's kind of a challenging thing to do, but um, I think I think on some level we've done that, and yeah. um, and we've just like been lucky enough to like really find exceptional people. A lot of it has to do with not hiring people with the most experience. Just the person mm. who walks in just has like something about them. You're yeah. like, this will be great. Personality that like adds to what yeah. you already have. Yeah, and br that brings so many talents too. Like you know, the person who um, is an amazing uh, bar manager now who runs our beverage program like we found him he had never made a drink before at the time he was a ceramicist like <laughs> this like artsy boy who was just like doing his thing and now he's like one of the best so yeah I think that's really cool like a lot of times it's just folks with passion and that, that's something I always thought was important like when I worked in a corporate space it was always like it just felt always antiquated to think like just because this resume or whatever actually meant that this person was good for this. And sometimes it's just someone that's just willing to come in and learn and grow and put in effort. A lot yeah. of times they're great additions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, that seems key. I, I know one thing that you're also super passionate about is um, make sure you're fostering the passions and opportunities of folks that also work at Guero and I know you have this this project that that you've started can you tell us a little bit more like like what what do you do like what 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 do you do to allow folks to like kind of flourish in some of their passions in the organization um yeah what we like an example is we started a bird club <laughs> this is the only plug I'll make you don't have to come meet at my restaurant you should join our bird club it's so cool um it's uh yeah we had two people working at the restaurant who were both like major bird enthusiast one one in a sort of like extra enthusiastic amateur way and then another person who's gone on to follow their biology career um but they were always talking about birds and we thought everybody around like was just like listening in and being like well i want to go birding with you well i want to know how to identify a red winged whatever blah, blah, blah. i don't know <laughs> and, um and so they seem to have a little club of their own and, and um so we just asked them, like, if 
if you kind of had the tools, would you want to have a club to take people out? Yeah. And they were so enthusiastic about it. And it turned into this amazing thing where like different, you know, we had like an old line cook who provided art for it. And like, it just became this like community thing. thing where we brought people together and we, and we take people birding every week and it is um, very cute. The, the word is cute. Like all the <laughs> packaging of it and the activities and we like bring pandilase and drink coffee. It's very cute. So please come. <laughs> okay. So, so we're much. all going birding. We're all going birding now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've been doing this for some time now and uh, you're going to continue to to flourish and explore other things. And actually, I'm, I'm thinking before I, I get to that question, um, what do you want to do next? Like, what are some of the other things um, that maybe you can tease us a, a little bit with, <laughs> with, with Guero? Um, yeah, well, right now uh, in, in the COVID era, we um, were lucky enough to acquire some space next to the restaurant um, to have more outdoor seating, which has been a lifeline for us. Mm this past year um, and probably how that team size grew to 45 um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah the, the plans have evolved and gotten um, really out of hand but a, a beautiful bar that will kind of be um, the next step for the restaurant is going in there and um, and it's another it's it is one of those things where it's like you have this team now of people who've been like super committed contributed so much and you can't stagnate, um, not because you're like desperate for growth, but because you're like, you want to put these people and all their talents, you know, to some good use. Right, right. Um, and so that's part of it. So um, it's been really cool to be able to like try to develop a new plan and like work with like so many people on our team to kind of think how it could be like the best expression of the stuff we're excited about. That's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, what advice would you have for, you know, maybe aspiring entrepreneurs, um, restaurateurs that may want to kind of follow your path? What advice would you give them today based on your own experience? Um, I guess this is kind of a, a theme now of, of uh, my, my whole way of moving through this thing. But um, I kind of feel like, you know, if you're looking... I, I feel like small business ownership is of any kind is just you, is just decision like you get mm. this decision making fatigue that come, sometimes sets in, um, and I feel like I find that I'm like looking down the barrel of a difficult decision often um, on daily during COVID, you know, and I feel like your options kind of come down to do I do I be consistent with something I'm doing or do I adapt? And I find that if I'm kind of, this I'm like, this, this idea is half-baked, but hopefully I can communicate <laughs> it, communicate it well, because I feel like it. there's some, there's something that I've really learned in it. But you know, if the, what's standing between you and something difficult that needs to happen is any kind of ego, like, mm. I thought I had a really good idea and maybe it wasn't, or mm. like, this isn't being responded to and that, that hurts my sense of pride in some way, um, then like make the change, mm -hmm. adapt. Um, if you're looking at a difficult uh, decision and what's difficult about it is that you have to sacrifice something, like you have to put in more of your energy you don't feel like you have or um, take more of your time and put it there, I feel like the answer is consistency. You know, like we had days where we like thought we were gonna drop dead running a food truck just you know, and it was like 120 degrees inside and we had committed to being open 
seven days a week and Sheesh. wanted to close really badly. But I, I think it paid off to just be like, this is tough, but if we stay consistent and people know how to find us and know what they're getting from us, like we're going to be good. So I think there's a difference in that. So, I, you know, it's not the answer isn't always stay the course under yeah. any yeah. circumstance. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's kind of been a guiding light for us. That was Megan Sanchez, chef and co-owner of Guero. Find out more about Megan and get access to all of our episodes at Amazon Music. The Claim of Stories Feast Portland edition comes to you from Portland, the kind of place where new ideas are welcome and you can truly be yourself. A creative city that's committed to being a more vibrant, progressive, and inclusive place than ever. Come see for yourself. Plan your visit today at TravelPortland.com. Special thanks to Peace Portland and Oregon Contemporary for hosting this live podcast series. 